Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. The name of this particular series is Come and Talk to Me. See, now, Felicia, she didn't flash back in her mind. And she understands that there was a song that this here title came from. Um, a group by the name of Jodeci. Come on, church. You ain't been saved since the womb. They had a, a song that actually the title came from. Uh, every time I, I think about the title, the song, come, the song comes to my mind as well. It's called Come and Talk to Me. Now, only about half of y'all know what this song is. And the other half of y'all are here because of this song. Come on, it's okay to laugh in church. <laughs> but um, this series is about prayer because God has a desire for us to come and talk to him. This has been going on since the Garden of Eden. After um, our, our, our parents, Adam and Eve, made the, the wrong choice, it said that, that God came and he was coming to talk to them like he always did. And he hasn't changed his desire for you and for I to come and talk to him. And, and the way that we come and talk to him is through prayer. And prayer... I think, it's, I think it's a little misunderstood. Prayer is a little, for some, complicated. And because we, we think that prayer is, is complicated, we tend not to do it, or we tend to not do it consistently. And I want you to know that that, that really makes the devil happy. Because God's desire is for you to come and talk to him, so then your enemy's desire is for you not to do so. So you have to understand just how big of a deal this is. This is what this church is founded upon. It's prayer. Historically, our church churches are known for a lot of things. Supernatural demonstration of prophecy and healing, gifts of the Spirit, but we were intentional with building upon prayer first. Ty and I are heavily investing this month for this season of the church because we're going up. And we refuse to go up without prayer. Everything that we do is prayer related. It's foundational. Everything that you will experience in God starts with prayer. My wife and I, we often get asked outside of the church context about advice on personal finance or advice on being entrepreneurs. And usually when you seek out advice in these areas, they tell you that before you get to a strategy, before you get to um, um, connecting with people or before you buy any software or before you try to do anything action-based, the first thing that you have to understand is that it starts in the mind. 
And it's true to a degree. Because if you don't have a proper mindset, more money will never be the answer. Because you'll blow it. Because your mind isn't right, isn't conducive to receive or handle that blessing. But for us, one thing that we've always told people, no matter if we were being interviewed in a Christian space or a non-Christian space, everything that we've experienced, every accolade, every ounce of, you know, quote unquote fame that we may have, is because of prayer. Our company was given to us by God. Every strategy that we've employed is because of God. All the debt that we paid off, all the investment choices that we've made, it's because of God. He gave us the ideas. And when we pray, we're welcoming God into our situation. And can I help you real quick? We need God's help in our situation. We need him in every area of our life. We don't just need him Sunday morning. We're going to need him when we exit this building. We're going to need him when we get in our car. We're going to need him to make it home safely. We're going to need him when we go to work. We're going to need him no matter what we are doing. And so I think it's important that we kind of demystify some things about prayer because it's so important that we have a full and total understanding. We're gonna go hard in prayer all month long because you need it. We need it. You need it individually. We need it as a church. We are going to enter into a very heavy season of prayer because we need it. Listen, we need it. Let that settle into your spirit because the reason you haven't been praying consistently is because you don't realize you need it. You think you're doing God a favor. You think you're being a good Christian if you pray. And so what we aim to do all month long is to take all of your religion out and make every ounce of your prayer life relationship-based because you, you need it. So it's a couple things you need to know about prayer. First thing is that prayer is invitational. Prayer is an invitation first given to us by God. And because he gave us the invitation to pray to him, we get to invite him in to our every day. We should wake up every single day and invite God in. Because prayer is invitational. God does not come into our lives. God does not come into our situations without being asked. We have to invite him in. Praying means to invite God to come and help us. So the reason we need it is because we need help. I don't care if you were saved yesterday last week, last decade, you need his help. You need his presence. You need to invite him in. Sometimes we get so, so deep in our Christianity. 
We got a shelf full of accolades from the church. People esteem us for our faith that unfortunately we start to think that we're the reason that we're in this position. And we get so far removed from that moment that we cried out in desperation to the Lord to save us that we start to operate our days independent of the God that saved us. Because as long as I, I've been, I've been reading my, my UVerse app. Yeah, I got a seven day streak. I mean, I've been in there. I've been doing the devotionals. You know. I even hit the share button and put it on Facebook. You know. I'm doing my Christian thing. And doing your Christian thing is a recipe for you to end up backbound. Because you're doing it out of your own strength. Doesn't matter how many Maverick City songs you play. If you don't go to God for yourself, you're singing songs based on their connection. But what are you inviting God into in your life? Because everything that you will experience in your life will be based on your invitation of the Lord into your situation. So that's why we have to realize that we need prayer because we need help. How do you wake up every single day and just leave? Like it's going to be okay. You just know that. Because you don't realize you need help. You're not connected enough to the Father to realize that Thanos snap ain't got nothing on what God can do. You could disappear even quicker than that. Because the God of the universe has all power in his hand. And so we can never get so saved that we forget that we need his help. You can never read so many Christian books that you forget that you need his help. I know everybody calling you for wisdom, but who's your source of wisdom? Are you speaking to them out of your own reservoir or are you tapping into the Holy One? Hmm. Prayer is invitational. Number two, prayer is invaluable. Do you realize that the privilege to communicate with the God of the universe is priceless? Do you realize just how invaluable it is that he allows you to pray to him? Because if you realize just how valuable prayer is, you wouldn't wake up and feel burdened by the fact that you need to pray. You wouldn't wake up and feel like, oh, man, let me, uh, let me go pray. When you value something, your attitude reflects it. When you value prayer, you wake up like, oh, Lord, I can't wait to talk to you. Because you see it as a precious gift. 
But if you don't value it, then it'll just be a block that you feel that you have to check. Because your Christianity is based on actions. Your Christianity is based on achievements. You treat it like the Boy Scouts trying to get your little medals on your instead of being in a relationship with God and understanding that he ain't got to talk to you. There's some people who are in the grave who have no more communication with the Father. And the fact that you're here, that you're breathing, your eyes can open up, your heart can communicate with him, that, my brothers and sisters, is invaluable. Number three, prayer is indispensable. It means that I can't see myself not praying. Let's make it a, a sports analogy. Whenever you are on a sports team, a professional one, there are some players on the team that you can do without. Maybe their skills have diminished. Maybe their, their contract's a little too much for the overall books and, and, and they get traded. They get released. Ah, but there's, there's some on that roster who you feel you cannot do without. You can't win without them. They are indispensable to the overall goals of the organization. You have to realize no matter what your goal is, no matter what you're trying to achieve, no matter what heights you're trying to reach, prayer is indispensable. You absolutely have to have it if you want to win. If you want to do anything for the kingdom, you will not be able to do it without prayer. Because prayer is indispensable. You must have it in your life. It must be a part of what you do every single day. When it's indispensable, you can't let a day go by without it. Because you realize how much you need it. I need prayer. I need prayer. I need to connect with God through prayer. My life, it depends on it. And so there's a scripture we're going to use today, really throughout the whole series that's going to kind of anchor us in the mission of this series. Come and talk to me. It's found in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. I'm going to read the NLT. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Now that's, those three words are verse 17 by itself. So if you're, if you're trying to memorize scripture, this is a good one to start with. It's only three words. Never stop praying. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 5 and 17. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to to Christ Jesus. These commands are simple in essence, but following them certainly isn't. The only way, if you think about it, it starts off by saying, always be joyful. And then later on it says, for us to be thankful. The only way that we can always be joyful and to be thankful is to know that God is with us. 
If we never lose sight of the fact that God is with us, we have the ability to always be joyful. That doesn't mean that all of our circumstances of life will be full of joy and that there won't be any problems. But when we know that we are not alone, that God is with us in those problems, we can have joy because we serve an undefeated God. Because no weapon that is formed against us shall be able to prosper. Weapons can be formed. Problems arise. But when we know that God is with us, we know that at some point the victory will be ours. But how do we know that God is with us? It's because we are consistently talking to him. He tells us that he's with us. He reassures us of his presence. He wraps his arms around us and lets us know that we're not alone. That even though the pain may be real, God is realer. Even though the pink slip may be real, God is realer. Even though the end of that relationship is real, God is realer. But we won't know that if we don't welcome him in every single day and every single way and every single part of our lives. Today's message is called Pray First. Pray first. Why? Because we believe that you should pray first. We don't believe that you should post first. We don't believe that you should text back first. We don't believe that you should reply all email first. We believe that you should pray first. That's the new model around here. As we enter into this new season of prayer is to pray first. One of the books, because I'm an avid reader, one of the books that impacted my life the most by far is a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Dr. Stephen Covey. Now, it's probably been eight years since I've read it. I'm going to read it again very soon. Um, but the, the first habit, I, I never, I'll never forget, I didn't even have to go look it up, is be proactive. The number one habit of highly effective people is to be proactive. That means that is the opposite, the antithesis of being reactive. And so when we say pray first, we're saying that you should be praying about things before things get to you. We, we, we're real good at, at reactive prayers. Pink slip, Lord help. Diagnosis, Lord help. Kids acting crazy, Lord get them. Reactive prayers. But I believe that God wants us to start adapting the mantra, the motto to pray first. Now that can mean first thing in the morning, I believe in that. I start my day in prayer. I could be in a car. I could be on a treadmill. I could be laying in the bed, not ready to get out that mug. But I'm going to pray first because I know me. Do you know you? Do you realize that you need to pray first? Do you realize that your life depends on it? Because before you go out there and mess up, you could pray first. You can say, Lord, you know I'm crazy. And you know I've been struggling. 
I'm praying for your health in advance. Kill my flesh now before I step out this door. I want to be like you and less like me starting now. And the thing about it is you got to do it every day. The Bible tells us that we are to crucify our flesh. How often? Daily. Daily. So that, that, that funeral you had yesterday isn't good for today. You're alive again. Your flesh done jumped right back up. And so you got to crucify it again. Here's what we believe. Prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. Prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. We are pretty good at understanding the things that are before us, the circumstances in our life that are nagging and troubling. We have fears about, we're wondering about, we have questions about. But how consistently are we praying for those things to our Heavenly Father? Or are we just assuming because we show up to church every Sunday, he must know? Yes, he's all-knowing. Very true. But God doesn't enter into any situation he's not invited into. He didn't force you to give your life to him. He waited on you. And nothing has changed since you came to the cross. He's waiting on you to invite him into the situation. He's waiting on you to invite him into your day. He's waiting on you to invite him into your ideas. Why are you starting businesses apart from prayer? Why are you filling out job applications apart from prayer? Why are you filling out college applications apart from prayer? You signing up for 30 year mortgage payments apart from prayer. You paying $700 car notes apart from prayer. And that's why you stuck. Because you got to invite him in. Don't, don't put that $700 car payment on Facebook talking about look at what God did. Gonna put a favor seven on the license plate. You ain't even ask him. You assume that's what a blessing looks like. Because you have no relationship. That's why you're left with assumptions. Selah. Second Chronicles 7. It's really important because our world, all jokes aside, is in a mess. I have to watch the news in spurts. I'm in for a little while, then I'm back out. I'm a news person. I, I, current events, I have a, a, a burden and a bent in that way. But I can only take it in doses. Because our world is getting darker and darker and darker. And as a former educator, you would be amazed at what's happening in these schools. Not just from the sense of what's happening with the students, but what's happening with policy. What's happening with curriculum? What decisions are being made that will impact your kids' worldview? Our world is getting more and more comfortable with being further and further away from him. And you need to know that. You need to know that this is the, this is the times that we're living in. Not so you can run around in fear, but so that you can run to him in prayer. But this isn't new to God. He's already discussed when a, 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 an area, a land is dark and void and apart from him, 
he has already given us a formula that we can use for lands to be healed. And it's in 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14. He says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send plague among my people, here it is, if my people, that's you, who are called by my name, that's you, here's the three-part formula. Humble themselves, excuse me, four-part. Number one, pray. Prayer is a part of a land being healed. And then the next one says, and seek my face. Now, we like to think that that's the same thing, but it's not. Seek my face is a type of prayer. Because you can pray and God's face still be turned away from you. But when you pray in a way that you're seeking his face, that means that you're asking God to turn his face back toward you and your situation. That's a desperate prayer. That's a repentant prayer. That's an urgent prayer. So we have to be humble. We have to pray and pray in such a way that we're seeking his face and turn from our wicked ways. We like to rush through this verse and get to turn from their wicked ways. But we have to understand right in the middle of the formula is prayer. If we really desire our personal land to heal, if we really desire our city, our state, our country to heal, we got to pray. How concerned are you about somebody not named you? How many of your prayers are directed to heaven about somebody not named you? We'll get there. But the formula to heal the land is prayer. We, as God's chosen people, have a responsibility to pray, not just so our personal situation can get better, but we're here. We live where we live for a reason. We work where we work for a reason. It's not accidental, nor is it random. You're in this land for a reason, not to just complain about it, but to pray about it. Because our prayers can bring forth healing. It's really interesting as we proceed over to the New Testament. As we look at the apostles, one day they saw Jesus praying. Now here's something that you really got to understand about the disciples. They were all Jewish which means that from childhood, they were taught Judaism. They had to memorize entire books of the Bible, the first five to be specific, by memory. They were also taught to pray. They knew how to pray. I want to make that real clear before we read this verse. Say it with me. They knew how to pray. So when we look at Luke 11 and 1, it's interesting because they said one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Why would somebody who knows how to pray say, Lord, can you teach me how to pray? It's because they saw something different when Jesus was praying. They said, I know how to pray. Well, I don't know how to do that. Whatever that was, Lord, give me that. Now, I get that feeling because sometimes the reason we don't pray is because we see how other people pray. And we say, man, I can't do that. Yeah. Like some people pray and it's like it's like poetry emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Like, dang. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, they be pulling out the right scripture like the inflection of their voice. It's like they singing sometimes. But like, man, they cold. I can't do that. I think that's what the disciples were experiencing. They were like, dang, I pray, but I don't do that. What was that? I saw angels. I heard lightning. Jesus, what was that? <laughs> and I think that we have to be careful that we don't start to think that there's only one type of way to pray. Heaven ain't got a style. That's religion. There is no specific style of prayer that warms God's heart. Now, there's different types of prayer, but there's not a certain style by which you must pray for heaven to hear you. Because God says that he doesn't search the external. He searches the intentions of the heart. So it don't matter if we got a smoke machine, don't matter if we make the lights flicker, don't matter how good Brandon be up there. All that's dope. I love it. But that's just a style. It's not the style. So, so exhale a little bit. God ain't got a style. He wants to know, do you want to communicate with him? Do you want to talk to him? Do you want to invite him in? That's what he wants to know above everything. But he answered them. He answered them. We'll look at, at Matthew's version. This is what many people call the Lord's Prayer. So let's just read it real quick. Our Father in heaven. We memorized this as kids. Y'all remember this from Sunday school? Hmm? Did y'all go to Sunday school? I know everybody grew up in church. Some of y'all were like, what's that? Don't worry about it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. You know, we, we memorized some really weird prayers as kids. Now I lay me down to sleep. Wait a minute. I pray the Lord to, my soul to keep. How do you register that at six? Wait, this is the next line. And if I die. Why do we, why do we make kids memorize that? And if I die. If I should die before I wake. I pray the Lord my soul. To, that gives you nightmares. Why do we do that? Anyway, back to Jesus. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive, as, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so we teach kids to just pray that. And then you're good, you cover. But the thing about it is, this is not a prayer. God wasn't saying, this is the prayer. Just pray this and you're, you're good to go. What this is, is an outline. This is an outline of prayer. These are topics that you should include when you pray. This is one of the types of ways by which we pray. And I think that if you just start with this, on a consistent basis, you'll see change in your relationship with the Lord. Let me tell you something. This changed my life when I became more dedicated to prayer. I was always dedicated to knowledge. I had a head brain full of theology, had a brain full 
of knowledge and Bible verses and read books and watched preachers and interpreted sermons and, and wrote sermons myself. But when prayer gets in the mix, when you say, God, I need you, even with all this stuff, even above all this knowledge, your life, listen, come here, your life will change. You got to understand something. I don't know if you know this, but you have an enemy. Yeah. Now, the Bible says that he roams around like a lion looking who he can devour. It doesn't say that he roams around devouring people. Be clear. It says he's looking, searching for who he can devour. Who can he devour? People apart from God. When you willingly move throughout your days apart from God, you look like a stake to the devil. But when you start your days wrapped in prayer, making sure that the presence of the Lord is with you, the devil can't mess with you. This changes everything when we decide we need prayer. I need prayer. I must have prayer. I won't enter this day without it. And so let's look at how he's teaching us how to do this, because this is something that you can do in 10 minutes every single morning. The first thing he says is our father in heaven. Our father. Jesus said that we should address God as our father. This is his favorite title is father he wants us to see him in that way because if we see him any other way we're not getting that intimate closeness that he desires he wants us to recognize him as our father so that means point number one is that he wants you to connect with God relationally Jesus is teaching us to connect with God relationally, not formally. When you connect with God formally, your prayers are different. You start praying in King James Version. Thou, God, I seek you daily. I affirm you in the heavenly places. You don't talk to your dad like that. I mean, y'all change y'all voice and everything. <laughs> Trying to sound like you're from Great Britain. He's saying, no, address him as your father. You can wake up and say, thank you, Father, for letting me see another day. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. Thank you, Father, for letting me see another day. Y'all give it up for my son. He's about to help me real quick. Can y'all clap for my son, Emmanuel? And so when we address him, see, I'm his father. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. <laughs> but when I was uh, uh, working through this message last week, God showed me a picture of this. When we pray, we're inviting him in everywhere that we go. He's holding our hand. He's walking with us. Not only is he walking with us, but he's helping to guide us. 
you know, he and I, we, we were in the store yesterday morning. We were getting something he needed for, for basketball. And he didn't know which aisle to go to. And so as he was drifting in the wrong direction, I could, I could just nudge him in the right direction because we were connected. We were together. He wasn't alone. If he was by himself, he would have just been wandering from aisle to aisle, not knowing what direction he needed to go in. But because his father was there in relationship with him, he knew even if he drifted off a little bit, his father was going to guide him. His father was going to help him. His father was going to turn him and move him in the right direction. When we decide that we're going to pray every day about everything, we are walking hand in hand with our heavenly father. And he's guiding us and he's helping us and he's correcting us in real time. So even if we mess up, we ain't got to mess up long because he's right there nudging us lovingly like a father would in the right direction. Thank you, buddy. We're to connect with God relationally. Romans 8 and 15 says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. So we can't come to God like a slave to a master. It says, instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. He wants you to know that, that you're his son. He wants you to know that you're his daughter. You're not his slave. You're not his robot. He loves you. And you can come to him real and raw and transparent and authentic. And he's going to love you the same. He'll correct you. He'll help you. He'll mold you. He'll shape you. But all of it will be rooted in love because he wants you to see him as your father. The next phrase says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name is a request that God's name would be honored and treated with reverence. We were, we were singing the song talking about just how powerful just his name is. His name is all that we need. His name is powerful than any obstacle that we are up against. Just his name. I remember years and years and years ago, I heard an interview where uh, gospel singer Vicki Winers was telling testimony of her son, and her son was like in a gas station paying for something, and some people came in there with guns trying to rob it. And all he knew to do was to scream out the name Jesus. He didn't have a verse. <laughs> he didn't prophesy. All he could think to do was scream the name Jesus. Whew. Okay, hold on. Because the name of Jesus by himself can change your whole situation around. Them robbers got up out of there at the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess. At the name of Jesus, bodies get healed. At the name of Jesus, prisoners are set free. At the name of Jesus, demons got to come out. At the name of Jesus, your flesh has to behave because the name of Jesus is powerful. It's so powerful. Proverbs 18 and 10 says God's name is a place of protection. We have to realize 
we need his protection. I know we think we're strong. Some of us would call ourselves prayer warriors. Some of us are budding theologians. Some of us have faith beyond comprehension. But even in all that, you still need God's protection. That's why Jesus, the perfect one, God, man, 100% man, and also 100% God, the hypostatic union, he prayed, hallowed be your name, because his name is powerful. You can pray the names of Jesus. So point two is you should worship his name when you pray. What are some of the names of Jesus? Righteousness, that's his name. So you can pray about the fact that he's your sanctifier. You can pray about the fact that he's your healer. You can pray about the fact that he's your banner of victory. You can, you can pray these things proactively before they ever need to be. So you might be feeling good right now, but he can still be your healer proactively. You can rebuke the devil proactively. You don't have to wait to go to the doctor to say, let me pray for healing. You can rebuke him now. You can say, God, you're my shepherd. You can say, God, you're my peace. Because all these biblically are his name. You can say, God, you're my provider. Everything that I have, I didn't earn. You provided it. Thank you for providing all of my needs. One of his names actually means, God, you're there. He's, he's right there. He's in the pain. Come on. He's right there. On that Zoom meeting where they talking crazy. He's right. He's right there. You can say, God, thank you for being the God that's there. Where? There. You can pray the names of God and it will help you. The next phrase says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So many of us jump into our stuff. We open up prayer telling God what we need. Jesus is telling us how to do this thing. We ain't talked about ourselves yet according to how Jesus thinks we should pray. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. So point number three is to pray his agenda first. Hmm? We don't get to you. But Jesus said, you should pray about his kingdom first. My wife's favorite scripture is Matthew 6 and 33, but seek First, his kingdom. For you King James people, seek ye. Let me, let me get y'all, y'all ye. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. You don't believe that. That's why you don't pray about them. What? What's his kingdom? Well, there are several, several scriptures 
That tells us some things that we should pray for. One is we should pray for people in authority over us. So I should pray for President Biden, whether I'm a Democrat or Republican. I should pray for Governor Pritzker, whether I'm a Democrat or Republican. I should pray for Mayor Irvin, whether I'm a Democrat or Republican. I should pray for my pastors, because pastoring is hard. My God. This is why we need a prayer uh, doggone series, baby. Now, this, this, same, this same scripture is found again in Luke, but it's a little, it's a little different. And I, I, li- I love the way the Living Bible said this on Luke 12 and 31. He will always give you all you need from day to day if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So in other words, you'll get what you need if you, if you focus on what he wants. But you don't believe that. That's why your prayers are less than effective. Because you don't pray like Jesus. Remember, these brothers knew how to pray. They saw something different. They saw something more powerful than they had. And so they asked him, teach us how to do that. And the same applies for us. He's teaching us a format by which we can pray. And then when we pray, we should make it our business to pray for his kingdom agenda first. We pray for the things that concern God. Did you know God has a prayer list? How many grew up with the sick and shut-in list at the church? Come on. The sick and shut-in list. That's the people that sick and shut-in mean they can't come out and come to church. And you had a list that you put your name on, and the prayer people pray over it. That's the sick and shut-in list. I want to educate everybody. Is this not? The sick and shut-in list. But God, believe it or not, has a prayer list. You want to know what's on this prayer list? Them. Who's them? Them. All them. All of them. For God so loved the world. He didn't, didn't, for God so loved the church. Nope. For God so loved the world. So that includes the people that get on your nerves. Y'all still want to pray? Y'all still want to pray like Jesus? Then you need to pray for people. You need to pray for them. Who's them? I don't know. Whoever them is. For you. You need to pray for them. The people you've been gossiping about. The people you've been reposting about. The people you've been pointing the finger at. The people you cussed out in traffic. You did it. And you need to repent. But you need to pray for them. Don't just pray for the people you like, because that's not godly. Remember, you were once an enemy of God. Did you forget? And somebody prayed for you. You should be praying for other people. When was the last time in your prayer time that you prayed for somebody who didn't live with you? Somebody who didn't have your last name. I mean, it's good even if it's, even if it's those people. But have you gone beyond that? Have you gone to that co-worker who gets on your last nerve and taken them to the altar and say, Lord, fix it? They work in my nerves, Lord. You can tell them that. <laughs> now comes us. Give us this day our daily bread. Ah, 
We can talk about us. Point four, depend on him for everything. Not some things. Not a couple of things or a few things. Depend on God for everything. Psalms 121, 1 through 2. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? Now, picture this. Don't, don't think mountains and don't think David in this moment, and other times he is, but don't think in this moment he's being poetic. The mountains represented a place of authority. That's where government was. Remember Moses up in the mountain and he came down and he was governing over the people from the mountain. He said, I'm not looking to Washington, D.C. for my help. My help comes from the Lord. That's why we pray to him about what we need daily. We need bread from him every single day. And we need to pray to him about everything. The things that are going well, things that are not going so well, the things that could be, the things that might be. We need to pray these things every single day. I know you prayed about it last week and you're waiting on the answer. Maybe you should pray again. Maybe you should invite him in again. Maybe you should check back on that again. Maybe his answer has changed. Next part says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So point five is get your heart right with God and people. It's not enough for us to go before the throne and ask him to forgive us of our sins. No. Jesus said a part of getting your forgiveness is your ability to forgive others. Why are you asking me to do something that you're not willing to do? Do you think that do you think that you're better than them? Do you think that your sins are less egregious than theirs? Not according to heaven standards. So just as much as you, wait a minute, do you realize you need it? That you need forgiveness? I appreciate your perfect attendance every Sunday, but do you realize you need forgiveness? It's not just them. It's you too. And in order for you to get your forgiveness, it's connected to your ability to forgive others that have hurt you. You don't forgive somebody who's done you right. So Jesus is challenging you to actively forgive people who've done you wrong. Because you're going to turn around and ask him to do the same thing for you. They are one in the same. Next part says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this is bit of a mistranslation because in other parts of the Bible, it's made clear that God does not lead us into temptation. If you look at the original text, it says, help us to not be led into temptation. We lead our doggone selves into temptation. You walk, you walk right up into it on your own. But you can proactively pray against it. And God will hear you based on relationship. When you actively invite him in, you can destroy temptation before it ever arrives. But the fact is you leave out each day walking through this life solo dolo. But point number six is that you have to engage in spiritual warfare. Y'all got quiet. 
Y'all got quiet. Ephesians 6 and 12, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. There's a spiritual battle happening. And you got to understand, if the devil's working harder than you are, you're taking a nail. Because he's actively working to kill you. He don't want to offend you. He don't want to hurt your little feelings. He wants you to die. And he works every day to do it in the natural and the spiritual. And that's why you have to pray so that you can fight in the spiritual realm. The last part says this. This is how he concludes it and he's encouraging us to do the same for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever so number seven is express faith in god's ability sometimes we let life tell us that this problem is too big to overcome will i ever get through this will my situation ever turn around will my healing ever come Will I ever be free from this addiction? Sometimes life can feel as though it's got the upper hand. But Jesus wants us to pray in a way that we show through our prayers that God has the final say. He says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You got the victory and because you have the victory, I have the victory. Jeremiah 32 and 17 says, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Here's the best part. Nothing is too hard for you. You can say that in your prayer. You can conclude it. And Lord, nothing is too hard for you. Lord, according to Jeremiah 32 and 17, nothing is too hard for you. You can say it over and over again until it gets in your soul. Nothing is too hard for you. I don't have that job yet, but nothing is too hard. These bills, nothing. My heart is broke, but nothing. 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 No thing is too hard for you. Revelations 5 and 13, to him who sits on the throne, He's there right now on the throne, sitting. And to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory forever. And if we can end our prayers every morning after we've, we've let it all out, we've interceded for others, we've interceded for ourselves, we've gone into the spiritual realm, we're praying by faith that nothing's too hard for him, we can close and just say, all glory and power to you forever and ever. You know what happens when we, when we do that? We get power. We get strength. We get stronger. It doesn't mean that in that moment the situation just instantly got better. Sometimes it will. But even if it doesn't, 
you get stronger. You get a little something in your step because you know that you're not alone. You're not walking through this life alone when you pray. You find your help when you pray. You find answers when you pray. Let's stand. God's heart for us is to pray first. Say it with me, pray first. That's his heart for us. He told me so. So let's make it our business that we, moving forward, are going to pray first. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.